welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all of God's children and all of God's creation. But if not, just remember, when we develop a personal relationship with our own mighty I Am presence, spend the quality time getting to know the I Am that is you and you and you and me too, then we soon find that there is within us an abundance of love and all of those higher qualities, enough for ourselves and to share with others. And although we may get distracted in this outer world, never run out, because the source of all light, the source of love and light, our mighty I am presence, is the presence of God within us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as King forever. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. Psalm 29 Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14 From time immemorial, the Brahmins have had in their possession secrets quite as valuable. The widow, bent on the self-sacrifice of concremation, called Sahamaranya, has no dread of suffering the least pain, for the fiercest flames will consume her, without one pang of agony being experienced by her. The holy plants which crown her brow, as she is conducted in ceremony to the funeral pile, the sacred root called at the midnight hour on the spot where the Ganges and the Yamna mingle their waters, and the process of anointing the body of the self-appointed victim with ghee and sacred oils, after she is bathed in all her clothes and finery, are so many magical anesthetics. Supported by those she is going to part with, in body, she walks thrice around her fiery couch, and, after bidding them farewell, is cast on the dead body of her husband, and leaves this world without a single moment of suffering. The semi-fluid, says a missionary writer, an eyewitness of several such ceremonies, the ghee, is poured upon the pile, it is instantly inflamed, 
and the drugged widow dies quickly of suffocation before the fire reaches her body. No such thing, if the sacred ceremony is only conducted strictly after the prescribed rites. The widows are never drugged in the sense we are accustomed to understand the word. Only precautionary measures are taken against a useless physical martyrdom, the atrocious agony of burning. Her mind is as free and clear as ever, and even more so. Firmly believing in the promises of a future life, her whole mind is absorbed in the contemplation of the approaching bliss, the beatitude of freedom, which she is about to attain. She generally dies with a smile of heavenly rapture on her countenance, and if someone is to suffer at the hour of retribution, it is not the earnest devotee of her faith, but the crafty Brahmins who know well enough that no such ferocious rite was ever prescribed. As to the victim, after having been consumed, she becomes a sati, transcendent purity, and is canonized after death. H.P. Blavatsky Egypt is the birthplace and the cradle of chemistry. Kenrick shows the root of the word to be chemi or chem, which was the name of the country, Psalm CV. 27. The chemistry of colors seems to have been thoroughly well known in that country. Facts are facts. Where among our painters are we to search for the artist who can decorate our walls with imperishable colors? Ages after our pygmy buildings will have crumbled into dust, and the cities enclosing them will themselves have become shapeless heaps of brick and mortar, with forgotten names, long after that will the halls of Karnak and Luxor, El Uxor, be still standing, and the gorgeous mural paintings of the latter will doubtless be as bright and vivid 4,000 years hence, as they were 4,000 years ago, and are today. Embalming and fresco painting, says our author, was not a chance discovery with the Egyptians, but brought out from definitions and maxims like any induction of Faraday. Our modern Italians boast of their Etruscan vases and paintings, the decorative borders found on Greek vases provoke the admiration of the lovers of antiquity, and are ascribed to the Greeks, while in fact they were but copies from the Egyptian vases. Their figures can be found any day on the walls of a tomb of the age of Amunifi, a period at which Greece was not even in existence. Where in our age, can we point to anything comparable to the rock temples of Ipsambul in Lower Nubia? There may be seen sitting figures 70 feet high, carved out of the living rock. The torso of the statue of Ramesses II, at Thebes, measures 60 feet around the shoulders, and elsewhere in proportion. Besides such titanic sculpture our own seems that of pygmies. Iron was known to the Egyptians at least long before the construction of the first pyramid, which is over 20,000 years ago, according to Bunsen. The proof of this had remained hidden for many thousands of years in the Pyramid of Cheops, until Colonel Howard Weiss found it in the shape of a piece of iron, in one of the joints, where it had evidently been placed at the time this pyramid was first built. Egyptologists adduce many indications that the ancients were perfectly well acquainted with metallurgy in prehistoric times. To this day we can find a Sinai large heaps of scoriae produced by smelting. Metallurgy and Chemistry as practiced in those days, were known as alchemy, and were at the bottom of prehistoric magic. Moreover, Moses proved his knowledge of alchemical chemistry by pulverizing the golden calf and strewing the powder upon the water. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 May I plead with you, and when you give your decrees, give them with happiness and joy, and a fierce determination to have that perfection, 
or get your rest first, and then give them. But don't drag around, one foot after the other, and then expect your decrees fulfilled, and wonder why perfection doesn't manifest. Now I am going to say something, because we are going to stress this several times. It's quite necessary that new people coming into the activity understand this, and those who have been in the activity, if it has been a habit, well, correct it, that's all, and that is to please watch the tone of your voice. Please watch the quality that you put into your voice, and as you live and breathe and want anything decent, for heaven's sake, stop a whine in the voice. There is nothing so irritating, there is nothing such a wide-open negative invitation to the whole sinister force as a whine in the voice. It's irritating to the nerves, it is a letdown in the energy. It's wholly negative, and it has no business to be in the universe, that's all. Now, the tones of the voice that heal, the tones of the voice that are positive, that do the things that are worthwhile doing, are in the middle register, and those of you who sing, we will experiment with you someday and show you by actual experience inside of your own selves, the difference in the vibratory action of those middle tones in your voice, and the deeper tones, and the effect of the high shrill tones. We can show you this on the tape recorders. We can show them to you on your bells, or anything else. And if the student body will remember this, your words will carry a lot more power. You will speak with greater conviction, and you will be far more convincing to people of the outer world in anything you want to accomplish, if you will remember this. So far as your singing voices are concerned, they will improve tremendously if you can keep a good, positive, happy register or quality going into the middle register of your voices. You can heal, sometimes, by one spoken word. The moment people become irritated or angry, the voice rises. When it rises, it becomes shrill. Anger manifests always in the high register, and you never heard anybody give a command that others obeyed that they didn't speak in the lower tones of the voice. Now, these are just mechanical things that will help you to keep shut out the conditions that are irritating in the outer world, and as I am ascended master youth, if you will make up your minds now what you actually want to do at your headquarters, and you will call to us, remember, the seven mighty Aloham are the builders of the system. We still know how to build, you'd be surprised. And we don't build anything that isn't beautiful, we don't build anything that couldn't be sustained forever, and what we build is our gift to you. Beloved Aloham of Purity If you want to build as we do, and if you want our love with which to build, if you want our protection to that which you build through love, and you wanted to render its service to life to help beautify the planet, the sky is the limit. There is nobody in the physical octave that can offer you that. They might think they could give you the sky, but they can't. As you make up your minds as to what you want to do, set your pattern and get the picture clear, then love that picture with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your feeling, with all the energy of your being. Command in the name and authority of your mighty eye and presence. Demand to come into the outer manifestation by the authority and power of the mightiest cosmic Christ love of all creation. Then ask us, as the seven mighty builders, to stand the guard, to see that what you build is built perfectly, that it renders a tremendous service, it never can produce anything but happiness for all concerned, and it's worthy of everything you will ever have, all the rest of eternity, to give it, to expand it, to protect it, and pour forth through it that which blesses your fellow men. And then, now this might seem that you are going to be busy for a long while ahead, but you might just as well know that it is part of your business now to remember that every city that is to be sustained into the future, and all the new ones that are to come forth, you will have to have some hand in the building. You might have many cities of light to be built, and if you practice and do this present service well, who are you to say what we will give you? 
Who are you to say what we will draw forth for your use that does not yet exist in the physical octave? Love is not limited. Life is not limited. Energy is not limited. Consciousness is not limited, at least ours isn't and we are trying to give you ours in the place of yours. Now, it's more than an even trade, but if you will give us yours, we'll give you ours. But we aren't going to use yours. We're going to put it in the violet flame. So that's my way of purifying your mental body, and if you will give us your feelings of disturbance and distress and limitation, we'll give you our feelings of the love of the cosmic Christ. Now, that's another trade. This is a business proposition today. We are going into business together, aren't we? We are the builders, and you are the builders. We might be the architects, but you will have to handle the bricks, but don't throw them at each other. We want you to go forward like happy children and build with freedom, but with a confidence that love alone can bestow, and you will know what mastery is. You might just as well know it now, as 10 years from now, or 50 years. Beloved Elohim of Purity, 